Welcome to another edition of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, where we bring together successful C-suite executives to explore their stories at the intersection of leadership and engineering. We believe leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants, we can build strong, engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Each interview was led by Doug Hawk, chemical engineer, business executive, and the creator of Engineering Leadership. I'm Ben Fanning. Let's get started. Welcome to the show. I have Deb Conklin, who's the CEO of Ready Ice, the largest manufacturer and distributor of packaged ice in the United States. She is passionate about continuous improvement and lean fundamentals, and she attributes these as the key to the success of her company. Deb is an industrial engineer, and she chose the topic of inspire. And here's your three bullet summary. You can be the smartest person or have the best strategy, but it's not enough if you can't inspire people. You earn people's trust by inspiring them. And if you're too focused on being right and being smarter than everybody else, then you've already failed. Enjoy the episode. Joining me today is Deb Conklin, CEO of Ready Ice, the largest manufacturer and distributor of packaged ice in the United States. Deb's a Clemson industrial engineer and alumni. We have uh, a tremendous guest to help us with what I think is of the 17 constants that we've kind of defined for our framework to talk about leadership. And, and as we say, and as we believe, you know, leaders are built, not born. And as engineers, that's how we think. We think about building things and, and uh, breaking things down into, you know, small solvable problems. And that's really what nailing these constants is about. And uh, Deb's going to help us talk today about, for many engineers, what I think is one of the toughest, which is inspire. Um, I think many times as engineers, you know, we often get focused on, you know, the what of things and the numbers and the data. And, you know, we can too often assume that, you know, if we have the answer and it's obvious and the data backs it up, that, uh, you know, folks will go with that. And as we, as we learn as leaders, it's really not how things work. And sometimes that's a, a tough lesson to learn as an engineer. Um, so I'm so happy, Deb, that you were able to join us today and help us with this, you know, with a, what I think is a really a tough one for, for many of us to take too naturally. It sounds like you did from a very early age. So <laughs> excited to hear about that. And um, again, thanks for being here today. And, you know, I guess starting with just why inspire, you know, we've got Lots of these that we want to cover. And um, again, like we said, I think this is a tough one and we're so glad you chose it. But why, why this one for you? So for me, Inspire is the most important of all the categories. Uh, when I think about, I can have, I could be the smartest person in the room. I could have the best data to back up my opinion and belief. I could have a perfect strategy. I could have, you know, uh, mission goals, alignment of everything we need to do. But if people don't believe, you can't influence the outcome. And so a lot of times, because we all come from different backgrounds, different um, you know, perspectives, it's all about how you influence the outcome. And a lot of that is through inspiring that, that thing in your belly that gets you excited to do something else or change direction or to go all in, as Dabo would say, you know, on a topic, right? Um, if, if you have people who believe 
you'll get the best performance out of them. It'll underline some of the other components. If they believe it's because they trust you and they are willing to give you a little bit more latitude to learn. Heck, you can't even teach and learn. Uh, you can't even teach somebody something and they're not willing to learn if they, if they don't believe in you and they're not inspired by what you're doing. And so for me, of all the topics uh, we'll talk about, uh, this is the most important one because I think you can be really, really smart, but if you can't create that emotional connection and inspire people to be the best of themselves, to maybe change, uh, to be willing to grow um, and do different things, I, I don't think you ever win. Yeah, that's a great, great way to put it. And as, as we talked about uh, many times on this program, we love Davos quote, you know, the fun is in the winning. That's <laughs> and, right. and you can't win if you don't have an inspired team, right? That's I mean, right. It's, uh, I think so, so fundamental. Um, you know, you did mention sort of some of the other components of that, right? And, and one of the one of the ways that, that I've been thinking about a lot of these topics is, and we've tried to sort of put in the framework is, you do build upon what I call the heart of leadership, right? So if you, mm -hmm. can, you can capture people's, you know, it is hearts and minds, but if, 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 the, if the constants around engaging people's heart aren't there, um, right. which we define as, you know, optimism, trust, courage, humility, and love, like those are, do you see those, like, and when you seek to inspire someone, right? Um, the way I've always thought about it is I've got to get a lot of those other things right first, because if they don't trust me, they're not going to they're not going to follow that inspirational goal, right? Or or as you say, go all in, right? So mm -hmm. is it, you know, finding that uh, you know it's the old quote like no one will care about what you're trying to accomplish till you show that you care about them. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just just wanted to you know kind of pull some of that out. Like, what are those? How do you go in and as, you know, as an engineer who might be like we talked about, a little more focused on you know the what and the numbers and the data, um, you know, where do they start? Especially yeah. as we, we speak to young engineers who, you know, might not have started in the first grade as you, as you conveyed earlier, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with, a, you know, a desire to really be there early. Um, yeah. So for me, it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg. Uh, you know, when you first meet somebody, it's that development of whether it's trust or, you know, glass half full, there's an energy there. And, and in my mind, a lot of, you know, I've been in private equity for 20 years and I go into new situations and um, you, you, you earn that trust by having people believe in and, and, and inspire them, right? And sometimes in different situations, you earn the trust and then you can inspire them. I think a lot of these are so intertwined, but a, a lot of it has to do with the situation that you're in. As a CEO of a company, right? It wasn't like, um, I came in and I was automatically trusted, right? right? It, you earn that. But if people believe in you because you can inspire them that what you're doing, how you're doing it, the way you're going about it is the right way, sometimes that's a little bit different. You know, when I, when I was promoted up within the ranks of Stanley, uh, you know, I was trusted as a member, good decision maker, you know, people wanted to follow me and then I could inspire them. So it, to me, it really depends upon how the framework is. I do believe that the heart of a leader for me is important just in everything you do. If that isn't who you are, you know, to me, it is really hard to be a leader if you're not optimistic. I learned that from my mother at a very early age. You know, my mom was glass half full no matter what. 
And, you know, somebody would say, gosh, I sure hate the devil. And she said, but boy, he so works hard. Right. You know, he so she had something positive to say about everything. And it became just part of my DNA. I can be either a victim to my circumstances or I can kind of make my own destiny. And then you begin to, you know, hey, how do these other pieces come together? Because I think you have to have every aspect of what you have here uh, on the page for me. I think they're all incredibly important. There will be certain pieces that you have greater strengths in in one area than another. But if you don't have it all collectively together, then you're not able to really lead an organization or lead a team, no matter what the situation is. And so, but I think there's so much back and forth between them. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I go to bed every night and the last thing I do before I go to bed is reflect on what went well today and what didn't go well today. And I spent a lot more time on what didn't go well than what went well. And I probably beat myself up a little bit over that, but 99% of the time it's things on this page that I'm trying to develop to be the best version of myself. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a similar routine. Um, and I have one in the morning that I do. That's about, I call it winning the battle with the man in the mirror. And, that's cool. You know, just, again, it's that sense of you might have a good day or a bad day, but you can choose to start with an optimistic attitude. You can choose right. to, and it comes back to, you mentioned earlier too, you know, establishing that trust and sort of connecting with folks. And I, and especially in, in times like this, where it is, it's, you know, sometimes harder to connect. We're not as together as we've been traditionally mm -hmm. or operating and working at a distance more and more often. Um, you know, I always, one of the things I have to sort of remind myself at times, and certainly I've, and I've gotten to where, you know, we do it quite often in the workplace is, you know, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Like mm -hmm. just start by assuming good intentions on the other Absolutely. side. Somebody it's sort of overcoming that, you know, chicken and egg problem that you mentioned, right? Like somebody has to go first and somebody has to extend, you know, somebody has to be vulnerable. Somebody, and, and, you know, I've told people, I said, look, sometimes you'll get hurt with that because not everybody has the best of it but everybody deserves, and you have a choice. You can choose to be a cynic, or you can choose to say, look, I'm just going to start out with an optimistic, trusting attitude and give everybody a shot. And, you know, what I've found is the vast majority of the time that's returned in kind. And, and that's what starts that, you know, that cycle of connection and confidence and then trust um, that really gets you in a position where they're like listening to what that inspirational message or mission or objective might be, right? Because yep. they, you know, they're sort of past that that tentativeness that that everyone has in new situations. And you've you, uh, you know, I got to say, you in your job, especially coming from private equity and having, because you're a you're a firefighter in many ways, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you've come in. Um, you know, I was going to ask you about the Ready Ice experience because you know you had a they they went through a bankruptcy you know, inspiring and leading in that of, is, is I think such a great story I want to talk about today. Cause that's, you know, it's not like you come into a great situation. Right? No, never, but never. Like, they weren't inspired by their previous leader who led them down that path. Right. That's so, right. Just tell us a little bit about that. Like, you know, overcoming that, you know, as a, it's, it's sort of easy to build on success, but building success from, from the, the ruins of, of a tough situation has got to be, that's got to take a lot of inspiration in your folks, yeah. right? Without, without a doubt, people need to believe that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a train, right? They need to believe it's the opening and, and there's, there's truly something better on the other side. And, you know, the benefit I had at Ready Ice is I was part of the private equity firm that did the deal 
in 2012 when the business was forced into bankruptcy. And, uh, you know, in that situation, it was really a private equity play to put two companies together and the company didn't really have to go bankrupt. And the transparency of sharing that with the team that never really been shared with the team, I think garnered some of the trust that, wait, maybe she's going to be more honest with us than what we've had in the past. Right. And so I do believe that that linkage between inspiring and trust come together, you know, very well. And, and I think, you know, I, I had the benefit of understanding the business, understanding the industry. And so I was a credible source about, you know, I think the biggest challenge for them was, are you just here to flip the company right. or are you here for us to really believe in? And, you know, and it took the first year for the team to believe, wait, wait, you're, you're actually going to, you know, be our CEO for the next five years or whatever the time frame is. Um, you know, that earned that they believed I, they were inspired by what we were doing. They believed in the strategy. They thought I was the right person, but they wanted to actually believe that I was going to be here longer than just the, the, the flip it side of the story. And so, uh, you know, that intersection between trusting me, but doing it and earning it every day. Um, I believed everybody thought the strategy was right. They, they believed, I thought that the best for ready ice was what we were doing, even in difficult times. I mean, we, we implemented an ERP system, which I would argue is the worst ERP implementation of any company I've seen. And I've probably seen 15 of them in my PE career, right? Absolutely the most horrific situation. Couldn't bill customers for six months. Can you imagine that, right? I've seen failures, but never where you couldn't actually even bill a customer for six months. And so the team had to uh, believe that the, the path that we charted, they could get behind and wanted to follow me up the mountain. They wanted to know I wasn't taking them down another pit, right? And a lot of that was, when you're authentic and you're who you are and look, I'm a, I'm a redneck from South Carolina and they believe in the redneck from South Carolina as me being some smooth New York banker that they didn't believe. Right. And just being authentic Deb and talking about college football and talking about my mom's spaghetti, they realize that's really who I am. It's not a show and you can fake for a little bit, but if you're not your real authentic self, people don't believe in the strategy. They can see through that. And I think that's one of the best things that I have for my leadership skills is I'm just Deb. I don't try to pretend I'm anybody else. And I think that, that then people will let you, you know, into their hearts and minds where in a lot of cases, um, when you're not, when you're not trusted or you're not believed and it doesn't matter how great your plan is. Um, I think bad plans can work as good as good plans, but if you have a good plan and a good leader and a good strategy, boy, there's the, there's the trifecta. So. That's great. And and you, brought up a couple things I'd love to explore here. So one is, you know, in a situation like that, um, and I've, I've talked to many others, they said, well, why, why have you done what you've done from an engineering background? And I said, well, you know, to me, I think it's a fantastic background to engage in business because building a business, like building anything, right, is, is about breaking things down into solvable equations and figuring yeah. out how do I fit the pieces together? And I can't see that if I can't get to the bottom of it. Right. Um, and just, you know, how much of that sort of training and experience, you know, do you just see um, probably now unconsciously, because I don't really think about it for myself, but I know I, 
where I just sort of, you know, instantly take a big, cause it's the biggest thing to, I guess, get your head around initially is no one understands all of it when it's just thrown at you, right? Like you can't. Um, but that's where I really lean on the engineering background is like, okay, well, I never did, right? <laughs> like when they throw the first problems with you at Clemson in any of those classes, you're like, I don't know how to do that. Um, but you can learn it, right? And you can also embrace it with some confidence because you're like, well, if we keep breaking down into the smallest pieces, you know, we'll figure out how to start billing customers, right? That's right. Well, and, that, and I think that's the spot on point, right? When you, when you realize that the engineering skill set that we possess, which is just how we operate. And it's not conscious, it's subconscious. I mean, I, I just, I even remember being that way as a kid. You know, my dad wanted to teach me how to change the brakes in the car, right? And I'm already thinking, how do I break this down into pieces? Not consciously, but that's just how we operate. And great leaders have the ability to really ferret out that 80-20 rule, right? What's the critical few versus a trivial many? And once people start to see that if I, it out that little piece, I break it down, we get a little bit better tomorrow than we are today. That huge ERP failure is all of a sudden, okay, what's the biggest thing? Break it down into small pieces and solve the problem. Then all of a sudden, because a lot of people don't think like that, right? They want to eat the elephant, you know, one big bite. Well, that, that's not how you win the game. I mean, even when you talk about football, it's, you know, do, do you get five yards on first down versus one yard on first down? And if you get five yards on first down, your conversion rate of moving down the field is going to be a lot better than if you get one yard on first down and you're not stuck in third and long, right? Those are the scenarios, everything you can apply it to, whether it's, you know, business, football, solving problems in your family life. Those are all things in my mind that are just how engineers think. And as a business leader, having that naturally where I don't have to struggle for it. And I see my peers who maybe are, you know, in HR or in commercial where they don't think like that, teaching them to think like that's a lot harder than teaching an engineer how to think about being a leader, in my opinion. Right. No, I do think it's, it's been a gift for me, certainly that, um, you know, as a, I, and my wife likes to remind me, I never was a real engineer, right? Cause I me started, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm a chemical engineer and I, I did start out with, with Exxon, which, you know, has lots of chemical engineers in there, but I immediately went into marketing and like never, <laughs> other than the times they made me go in the plants and like sort of, you know, everybody has to go through their training, but I, yeah. I quickly migrated to the people side. Um, I did want to bring up another, another point you made that, you know, and it, it, I think it's something that engineers have to overcome. So I think on some parts of the way that we're trained to think and the, the problem solving toolkit that we're given is incredibly powerful. I think one of the things that it can do, and, and you mentioned this a minute ago, it also does train you to get to the answer and to, in many situations, be the one that has the answer, right? And I think when you mentioned about sort of connecting with people and being your authentic self and, you know, I think a lot of that gets down to being okay, being vulnerable, being okay, not having the answer, being okay, recognizing that you don't know what to do in a certain situation and you need help and you need to pull in folks to, to get to that as a team. And, you know, to me, that's always one of the, when I think about, again, getting engineers up that leadership curve, right? I think it's really important that we talk about that, that say, hey, you know, as important and as a big a gift that those problem solving skills are, 
you have to also recognize that as an individual, it's very little we can do, right? Like what we can really solve is getting an entire team of folks to start thinking like that, to have the confidence to embrace it. But again, like you mentioned, if you're not first willing to admit, well, you know what? I've got great tools. I've got great training. And oftentimes I can get to the answer, but a lot of times I don't know the answer and I need help. And I, and, and, and being able to kind of get past that sort of having to be the person in the room that has the answer is when you're, you're in that mode, you can't be vulnerable. You can't be as authentic. Right. And I think that's sort of one of those leadership moments that I talk about where folks have to, they've got to make flip that switch in their head. Right. Um, in order to be able to inspire people. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that come together for me on that. Um, I think as an engineer, realizing that even if I did have the right answer, it might not be the right business decision, right? And, and I, I use the example all the time with my team, one plus three is four and two plus two is four. If I told you to get to four, I, it doesn't really matter how I get there. In my early days as an engineer, I'm like, oh, heck no. One plus three is four. That's the answer, right? Here it is on the paper. I did the calculations. And I think realizing that I'd rather be um, a little bit closer to the pin with every one of my golf swings than have to worry about going in a wrong direction. Even if I didn't hit my drive 225 yards, if I'm off the tee box closer to the pin than what I was when I was in the tee box, I'm good. And part of that is about bringing that team with you. And, um, you know, I, I believe in data facts and logic, but I also believe that the emotional side of people can undo data facts and logic all you want. And so if you don't bring the team with you and you're, if you are so focused on having the right answer and being right and being smarter than everybody else, you've already, fa already failed. Um, I, I, rather, I rather get behind somebody else's idea that maybe in my head is not as good as mine, but I find that I always learn something from it. And whether that's a coaching and teaching moment for my team member, or it's a coaching and teaching moment for me, what did I learn from that situation? It's all good because we got closer to the pin with that swing. And so now I also say, if it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, and to kill anybody, you know, you know, uh, it's got it's to pass those bounds first, right? But outside of that, it's really about, are you making progress? And I think that kind of aligns with my continuous improvement mindset, right? Of if we're always getting better, might be a little bit slower out of the gates than it could have been. But if I can't bring people with me, it's even the right answer is wrong, you know, and I, I think that's got a lot to do with how I engage with people in general. Yeah, I, I, I actually asked somebody the other day, I said, well, do you want to be right or do you want to win? And they're not always the same thing. And that's no, they're not. And I've watched sort of um, watch folks sabotage themselves because they they knew they were right. And perhaps in terms of the like you said, the one plus three is it does equal four but it's not always the right answer or the right way to get to the answer. If, if not, everybody else is following along. Right. And, um, Absolutely. yeah, it's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, I think, you know, it's, uh, you mentioned something else about data and, and one of the things that I, I think engineers can benefit from is recognizing that it takes, and I tell, and, and the opposite of this is also true, which I, I have folks, particularly in sales and marketing, because they'll bring me a great story and it's compelling and it's emotive and it's, it might be inspiring. Right. And it, and I'm like, well, 
I love a great story. We're humans. It's how we learn. It's how we remember things. It is how we relate in so many ways. But I need a really robust data table with my story. <laughs> so yeah. I always, you know, and I think with engineers, sometimes we need the opposite, right? It's like, okay, show me the data and prove it, but weave it into a story that shows me that it can matter, that folks will care about it, um, that it's doing, like you said, I mean, obviously, you know, not that it's not violating the bad things, but also, you know, how is right. it, how is, how can this make a difference to our community, to our employees, to our customers and why should they care? Right. Like, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, do you see again, inspiring in different ways than others might, because we are engineers and have that background as, you know, weaving together those, those two things, like how do you really take, how do you take the data nowadays and tell a great story with it, which the tools and, and techniques and now with data analytics and, you know, all these new fantastic tool sets we have, I think that's becoming easier, but I do think it starts with the mindset, right. Of knowing that that's necessary. Absolutely. No, it's, it's a great call out. I think first off, engineers tend to want to use data to prove their point instead of gain enlightenment. Right. And once you realize that you use data to gain enlightenment, then you can figure out how to create your story to inspire people to believe. And it goes back to your, your comments a few minutes ago. You can be right or you can win. Take your choice. I'd rather win all day long and twice on Sunday, even if I'm not right. And because that to me, winning begets winning. And, you know, that, 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 that inspires people to want to work harder and, you know, put more energy and effort mentally into what they're doing, et cetera. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to be on a winning team. And so for me, it's getting past that first hurdle of, are you really being a critical thinker? And if you are being a critical thinker, it forces you to ask the tough questions so that you can create the story, right? Yeah, I, I talk about triangulating on the data all the time. I, you know, I, I want to lose my mind when somebody tries to prove a point with one piece of data. Uh, now, I don't want analysis paralysis either, you know, but I, I believe that I can, my dad, when we, we were little, used to say white lies, black lies, and statistics. I can make the data say anything you want. If you give me an objective, I can guarantee you I can spin it in a way that proves my point. But if you truly can triangulate on the data and say, okay, what pieces do I need from different angles and why, that helps you understand how to create the story. Because uh, it's forced yourself to put, put your feet in another shoe in a, in a different angle or perspective on the, on the situation. And that helps you be creative. I think engineers don't tend to be very creative. We're so methodical and linear in the way we think and we communicate and we do. We don't necessarily think about how does it roll up to a bigger picture. Um, and so I really encourage engineers to not only take the step back to say, how do I not use data to prove my point, but how do I leverage that to tell my story? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, I love that. You know, I think, so I have a, um, one of the things I, I like to ask leaders, particularly who came from a more technical background, like the engineers we're talking about in ourselves, is, you know, when was that moment for you when you realized, okay, I can, you know, when you transition from here's everything I need to do to here's all the people I need to help and support. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a, cause it was a really, you know, emotional. I mean, I can remember it, it was a moment for me where it was like everything I was trying to do as an individual wasn't going to be enough. 
and it didn't matter how hard I worked. It didn't matter how many hours I put in. It did, you know, it became painfully clear that wasn't going to fix the situation. Right. And mm-hmm. that it just, and it's, and it was so sort of poignant and also so important because it's, you know, you have to realize it's never about you. It's never, you know, yes, mm-hmm. you have to work hard. Yes. You have to do all those things, be as smart as you can be, ask a million questions, you know, seek the answers, all those things. But ultimately, if you're really going to make a difference, right, it's about helping others, pulling them, pulling them into that. And obviously, as you said, inspiring them to, to chase that same goal or, or mission and, and believe in it. Yeah. Was there was there a moment for you? Because for me, it was like, you know, it was a tearful night on the front steps of my house. And like, <laughs> right, like it was like, wow, I, I got to, you know, get past this, right? Um, yeah. Sounds like you started a lot earlier than I did on that journey. So just maybe tell us so a little bit. The, the big thing for me, uh, I, I, my, my most impactful boss leader of all time is a guy named Steve. And I still stay in contact with Steve, even though I haven't worked for him since 1994. And in the couple of years I worked for Steve, he changed everything about the way that I thought about being an employee, an engineer, because he was an engineer but he could take you to school without you even realizing you were being taught and watching him being a leader, developing leaders versus a leader, developing followers. It was a light bulb moment for me. I, to this day, remember sitting in his office and for some reason, the light bulb went off for me. I'm like, man, he spends more time developing leaders than he does on the technical side. And that solved the problem. And I, up until that first couple of years of my career, I was like, you know, I, I, I can do this. Everybody follow me. I can work harder. I can work longer. I can be smarter. I can, you know, do all these things and everybody follow me up the mountain. And it was like, no, then I'm, I'm minimal influence. You know, only the, the sphere of how hard I can work and how hard I can do is all I can make the difference of. But if I can begin to impact the people around me and the people around them, the, the, the pyramid of influence gets exponentially greater. Um, and so for me, that was the moment. And, and that's when I said, holy crow, I need to become a better leader, not just a really smart, hard worker who everybody wants on their team. You know, it, it, it's, I, I need to be that person who's, who's spending more time developing the people around me that as one of my main priorities than anything else. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I bring it up specifically because I do think, again, it gets back to that having to be the person that always has the answer or again, and as engineers, we, we like to get to the answer, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, and I've noticed, you know, I, I see it in business all the time in our own company and many, many, many others I've worked at is, you know, when you, when you're working on a problem, one of the most obvious things that you often find is that regardless of the technical solution, if you don't get the right person and the right leadership employed in that area of the business and, and engaged in it and working on it, it'll never be right. Never. Right? You can fix the ERP system in a, for a moment in time, technically, mm-hmm. right? But if you don't fix the leadership that's in, that running that part of the business, it's only fixed for the briefest moments. And then the next thing you know, it's messed up again. Right. That's right. It's like, you know, as you said, it's like spending the majority of your time and effort 
on finding the right folks and helping them, you know, helping them to success. Um, and that's one of the things I've found too, is that, you know, it's, I tell people almost all the good things that have happened to me in life happened when I was trying to help somebody. And it took, yeah, me, a absolutely. Long, it took me a long time to recognize that because it, it's, some of them weren't as obvious, but it was like, you mm. know, that wouldn't have happened had I not, somebody asked for help and, and, you know, I, tell people if, if someone needs help and you can give it and have an impact, then you must like, absolutely. doesn't mean you have the time. doesn't mean you have the space. doesn't mean you have the room, but even when I've been the most pressured and had the least capacity and did it anyway, it's always been the most rewarding thing I could have possibly participated in. Absolutely. You know, so it's, um, I, one other couple more questions I had just to any resources, books, um, materials you could recommend to to the kids to really get ahead on some of these. Um, I'm yeah. a big club guy. I, I run them here at work, and we you know we we constantly try to pull in new thinking and new ideas. Any any you'd recommend for our folks? Yeah, ironically, I do a book club with my top 25 employees of our company every month, and they run the gamut. Right, we will write we'll read a beefier book. Or we'll read, um, you know, uh, uh, a little bit easier to read, you know, concept. And to me, it's all about continual development of the leader around you versus the leader within you. Uh, and I think you get both when you're developing the leaders around you. So Maxwell is one of my favorite authors. The books of developing a leader within you and developing the leaders around you, I think, are phenomenal reads. Um, I, one of my favorite books is uh, Confidence, How Winning and Losing Streaks Begin and End. It's by an author named Cantor, and it's a lot of sports analogies. Right. But when I think about how you're inspiring a team to make them believe, you know, it's just amazing when a football team is winning, the ball just happens to bounce back in their hands as opposed to turning into a fumble, right? And you start to, you start to see the analogies of, of work teams and, and sports teams. The other one I really like is a, uh, the one-minute manager meets the monkey. I think one of, one, of the, one of my favorite parts of this book is about if you are a good leader, one of the most important things to do is to allow the person who should have the task to do the task. A lot of times managers and engineers would believe we need to take it because we can do it better than anybody else. But if we're not allowing the people who work for us to develop their skills and, and obviously got to do it within guardrails and bounds, but allowing people to develop. I believe one of the reasons why our team is as strong as we are is it's about who's the right person to have the task. And we're not working two or three levels below where our skills and capabilities are. We're developing those leaders at every single letter, uh, level. Because if you're teaching them how to think and they're developing the people below them, it's amazing how much more powerful an organization is. So those are just a handful of books that I enjoy and I think are great teaching moments specifically around leadership and inspiration. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think the, yeah, you know, it's, it gets back to the football analogy you're working on, right? Like um, you got to, it doesn't matter how good a quarterback you have. If you got a team full of quarterbacks, you're probably not going to win many games, right? Nope. So again, finding the strengths for folks and helping them develop those. And, and then, you know, constantly looking around for what's missing. Like I, I find myself doing that quite a lot of, okay, here's what's great and not so much worried about what's wrong or broken because that my sense is that will resolve itself, right? As you develop the people and you get good mm -hmm. focused on the challenges, but sometimes there is like, 
just gaps that aren't as obvious. And those are, again, that's where I think an engineering mindset can help, right? Because you're constantly looking at the, all the ingredients of the formula saying, okay, you know, I might have some fabulous materials here, but if I don't combine them in the right way with the right mix, you know, it's not going to have the as good outcome. Right. And I think that relates to the anticipate mm-hmm. no concept, right? Yeah. What, what could go wrong? What do I not have? What do I need? You know, and whether that's a talent I need that I don't have or the business problem that could go wrong, having those instinctual ways to, to process that. And I think a lot of engineers do, and that's a skill you got to hone, right? You got to right. be willing to push yourself. Too many people want to focus on, hey, let's just do more of the, the stuff we're doing good. Uh, and so to me, that's how anticipate flows into all of this is the ability to say, okay, uh, what, what, what could be missing? Heck, even when I read a book, I read a book and I don't believe that every word I believe in that book is gospel for me. Right. And anticipating which ones I go, eh, I don't really think that that's the way I want to flex my style or, or my leadership or whatever else. That's an important part of even in my mind, reading the book. Cause it, some people go, I read the book and I'm following it word by word. Well, Maybe that's not the right, you're looking for nuggets, right? That you can pick up that, that make your um, entire portfolio or tools in your tool belt be the best version of you. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great way to use and remind folks. And I, I talk to my kids about this now all the time. Just, you know, you have to be a critical thinker, you know, mm-hmm. never, never take anything at face value. Always know that there's additional layers you know, there are motivations, there are, you know, like you said earlier, you can make data say whatever you want with the right amount of graphing and, and packaging and, and right. limiting, you know, which pieces of the data you want to display, right? So, yeah, um, yeah having that critical mindset in, in really everything you do, I think, and, and, and I think creatively realizing um, what's not on the page, right? Like, mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you mentioned earlier, I think it was your brother went into accounting versus engineering. And I tell folks, you know, they, they say, well, you guys are kind of alike. It's numbers, you know, and I say, uh, I would say the <laughs> big difference is the accountants are really fabulous at the details that are on the page. I said, what we try to be good about, better about as engineers is figuring out what's not on the page that could sabotage the whole thing or take it a different direction, or where's the huge opportunity that folks haven't seen yet. Right. Spot and, on. You know, I think that's another, you know, great skill set we can develop. Um, and I think, you know, one point I wanted to ask you about is um, trying to get folks to think about, as you mentioned, spending time developing leaders versus doing tasks or getting things done and, and or on the technical side of things. Um, one of the things I've seen is it's hard to get folks to realize, too, that the fastest way to develop in terms of you know, getting the next big opportunity or, you know, being next in line perhaps for, you know, the next leadership position is making sure that they've developed the folks on their team and around them to the point where they're not needed. Like replace yourself, right? You know, like that should be one of your first missions when you show up is like, okay, how do I make this team so good that last thing they need is me hanging around, right? And And again, teach everything I know, pass it on, learn so much more back in that process is my experience at all times is, is you, you get back more than you give. Um, but, you know, it is, I think I've learned, especially with, you know, folks coming into kind of their first management position, 
that they almost have to, you know, many times have to be reminded of that saying, look, it's like, you, you have to be comfortable that your next evolution, whatever it might be, is, is going to be worth it and not try to, you know, kind of hoard either data or information or, or certainly power in some cases where it does go sure. kind of south in terms of behavior, but making sure that, you know, if you want to, if you want to progress in terms of leadership and responsibility and accountability, you know, it really only happens if you take that current amount that you've sort of had the opportunity to embrace and spread it around and, and bring everybody up that level where now you're, because that's the ultimate demonstration that you've kind of mastered the situation is you're not needed. That's right. Well, and that goes back to developing the leaders around you, right? The, the, the team elevates their game the team gets more done, uh, you know, and to your point, you're then not needed. So you can go do other things and they can see the power of how you don't go in and just keep the plate spinning, right? You go from being a firefighter to Smokey the Bear. I love firefighters, but I want to be Smokey the Bear. And I think as you teach more people to think that way, then it's like, okay, I can go do this in a bigger situation in a bigger scenario. Uh, and look, I, I never want it to be because people want to land grab but I want it to be because people want to have a greater influence and what I call being an impact player, right? If you want to be an impact player, expanding your sphere of influence and developing the people around you is the best way to be an impact player. And, you know, in my, in my situation, I, I leverage inspire to get me there so that I can run a bigger business or have more influence over a larger business. It's not because I'm, I'm power hungry. It's because I want to put my head on the pillow at night saying, did I help people be the best version of themselves? And did they help me be the best version of myself? And so if you're doing it for the right reasons and not because you're trying to have a land grab, it works out right. If you do it for the wrong reasons, then it, it, it elevates to the top every single time. Yeah. And people will spot it in a second, right? Yep. Um, yep. Never, never believe you can hide that kind of behavior because it's not never everybody the minute you do it. All right. That's right. Engineering Leadership is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping engineers enhance their leadership skills. You can download resources to accelerate your leadership skills by going to www.engineering-leadership.com. <laughs>